You're listening to the Sagas and Sass podcast. This episode features audio from a previously aired live video webcast. Welcome to Sagas and Sass Season 3, brought to you by Geek Saga Entertainment. I'm Tara, along with fellow hosts Nick and Jonathan. This episode will cover parts 4 through 6 of The Gilded Wolves, the first installment of Roshani Chakshi's Gilded Wolves trilogy. If you're watching live, join us in the chat, or after the fact, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Sagas and Sass to continue the conversation. And don't forget that we now have a Patreon with 10 tiers ranging from $1 a month to $40 a month. It offers tons of ways to support us and receive some great perks in return. And you can check it out at patreon.com slash geeksaga underscore entertainment. And just a reminder, the views expressed in the show are those of the host as individuals and do not necessarily represent the show as a whole. Okay. When last we left our cookies, Severin's adopted brother Tristan had been captured by this absolute jerk of Rougeaubert, whom they soon come to realize is somehow part of the Fallen House, that being the fourth order of Babel House that was stripped of its power because they kind of, sort of, definitely tried to use a Babel fragment to become like gods or something. They're able to figure out that the Fallen House's secret meeting place is in the Parisian catacombs, which they can enter using a Tezcat, a sort of smoke and mirror type object. And thankfully, Severin stole a special piece of silver cloth that Zofia can now manipulate in order to block others from entering because, of course, she can make said tiny piece of cloth work as an entire ass shield. Severin and Layla enter the catacombs first and find Tristan very conveniently placed. Layla realizes pretty quickly that it must be a trap, but Severin insists on saving their friend from the mind-controlling Phobos helmet, and hashtag shocking not shocking, Severin and Layla are captured. Rougebert begins torturing Severin, and in the process reveals that his blood, that is Rougebert's blood, is not red, but gold, and it allows him to control people's souls. No good, very bad. Ew, ew, ew. Not surprisingly, Rougebert is something of an exhibitionist and explains that the fallen house will use the Babel rings to awaken the fragment. He believes that someone he calls the doctor will help him ascend to godhood if he succeeds. But while he's busy activating the fragment, Zofia, Hypnos, and Enrique manage to enter the catacombs. While Zofia's invention keeps the other members of the Fallen House from entering the catacombs for a while, and a combination of her matches and the trail of powder that Severin left proves a sufficient distraction as well, eventually Rougebert kills his companion, the Blade Hat Man from earlier in the story. I'm still not sure what a Blade Hat is or how the fuck it works, by the way. And Rougebert uses the power that he gains from the man's blood to open the doorway. At this point, a new player enters the fray, someone in a bug mask who is apparently the aforementioned doctor. But in the meantime, the cookies have figured out that the Eye of Horus needs to be placed in the center of a spiral pattern in the floor in order to essentially put the Babel fragment to sleep, which is super important because for real, there are skeletons clambering out of their tombs to do who the fuck knows what. Thankfully, Hypnos has already tossed off his order tag belongings, knowing that this would draw the sphinxes, a.k.a. the order police, to the scene. He also distracts the doctor long enough for Layla to get the eye in place, so the skeletons retreat back to their tombs as the sphinxes arrive and record this whole ass mess. Unfortunately, Rojo Bear is seriously injured, 
and therefore captured. The doctor and other fallen house members flee, so of course the travails of our heroes, anti-heroes, don't end here. While Hypnos has promised that he will put in a good word for Severin and the cookies celebrate their victory, tragedy strikes just one week later. They are all supposed to attend a full moon party wearing the titular gilded wolf masks, but Sophia loses her nerve after witnessing Enrique, who she likes, making out with Hypnos, and Severin ignores a very important letter that was sent to him by the head of House Corps. Layla is scheduled to dance at the party, and in an attempt to distract himself as she takes the stage because he totes in love with her, Severin finally opens that important letter which reveals that Rojobert has escaped and warns them not to leave the hotel, his hotel. In a very convenient twist, Rojobert charges into the party right then and throws that stupid fucking bladed hat in the general direction of the cookies. And Severin, assuming it is meant for Layla, tackles and saves her, only to realize a moment too late that Tristan was the real target. Moment of silence for our plant and tarantula-loving quiet boy, Tristan. Now, you'd think that would be the end of the first book, but wait, there's more. Hypnos does, in fact, follow through with his promise to force the matriarch of House Corps to readminister the inheritance test, but Severin, mad with guilt and grief over the loss of his adopted brother, and believing everything is his fault, refuses. Months go by, and the cookies continue to drift apart until Layla has finally had enough and shows up at Severin's door in hopes of rekindling their um, romance or whatever the hell it is. But Severin is still feeling guilty AF about moving to save her over Tristan and pushes her away. Because of course he does. More time passes, and even though Severin has not officially been reinstated as the head of House Vat, he is apparently, somehow, still tapped to attend the Order of Babel Winter Conclave in Russia. Layla insists that he take her with him as his mistress so that she can have full access to the castle and hopefully continue her search for the book that might extend the expiration date on her manufactured life. And although this means that they will have to pretend at being in a relationship, she says she doesn't care. And he reluctantly, or not, let's be real, agrees. We've already said this once, but wait, there's more more, because the Gilded Wolves concludes with a single short chapter in Hypnos' perspective as the head of House Corps confronts him and tells him that Severon can't take the inheritance test because, wait for it, he's not actually the heir to House Vanth. Wait, what? <laughs> I, I love the inflection you put on that last bit. Thank you, thank you. Oh, My training coming out. So, okay, so Jonathan, you missed our last episode. So I want, why don't you give us your, I don't know, short thoughts, opinions, whatever, about the first, like, parts one through three, which was about the first, like, two thirds of this book. How, what did you think about it? And, and how did you feel? So, I, so I must admit, I was really enjoying parts one and two. Um, and then I, due to a lack of time, started to listen on tape because of some things that happened in my life and I wasn't going to have time to actually read it. Um, and I must say, listening on tape just does not work for me. Um, I find I don't follow it nearly as well um, <laughs> as when I'm actually reading it myself. Um, but overall, I, I think this book is very good. Uh, it definitely was ca capturing my interest. I do see a lot of similarities in, I guess, writing style to Shadow and Bone. 
Um, and in some ways, some similarities to the characters. Um, I also, at least getting to the Rojo Bear part, saw that I think she was heavily influenced from Goldfinger, um, in that Rojo Bear is, is Goldfinger, and but he has the weapon of odd job. So uh, I think clearly uh, <laughs> she had watched her James Bond. <laughs> well, the other guy has the bladed hat. He just uses it at the end. Uh, oh, you're right. Good point. But, oh, but still. so he was Goldfinger. He just uses Odd Jobs. Uh, Odd Jobs uh, hat, right? Yeah. At the, end. <laughs> at the very end. Uh, I'll be completely honest. I saw Goldfinger like once a million years ago and don't remember anything about it. So <laughs> that's because you're. That's because you're young, Tara. No, but that's the crazy thing is I actually like I was in a mode a few years ago just kind of bored wanting something on in the background and I think maybe they just put a whole bunch of James Bond movies on like Netflix or something and I watched a crap ton of like the really old James Bond movies like I'm not a huge James Bond fan at, by any means but I don't, I don't even know if I'd call myself a fan but I also feel like it's one of those things that like you gotta watch it right it's James Bond it's like this you know it's like a rite of passage or something. I don't know. But so I don't remember anything about Goldfinger. So I, I'm going to have to look that up now and see, or maybe watch it again, finally, <laughs> after a billion years. Like the only, like, the only James Bond movie I think that I've seen in theaters was possibly one of the worst ones. And it was, uh, oh God, I don't remember which one it was. It was the one with Christmas Jones. I remember seeing that I in the theater too because of that it. horrible joke at the end. Yes, exactly. Which which one had Christmas Jones? I'm blanking Christmas on that. Christmas only comes once a year. I thought Christmas. <laughs> I thought Christmas year. only came once a year. Lord, oh God. No, but oh. I tried to, was that was that a Roger Moore one? No, no, no. No, it was that was Pierce Brosnan. Brosnan. Oh, that was the Pierce. Uh, last one. I the world is not enough. Yes, now, there you go. There you go. Anyway, not to go on a huge James Bond kick here, but <laughs> now I feel like I have to watch Goldfinger again and, and find- It wouldn't be us if we didn't have weird tangents. Yeah, right? I mean, we don't have Nami here though, so they, they, they won't go on for 25 minutes. <laughs> heart, heart, heart. <laughs> Our last uh, one of these, Jonathan, was like two hours, <laughs> maybe even longer than that. Well, I debated whether to try to um, participate, but realized I was my internet connection at on the ship was pathetic. So um, I I'll also you were on a ship in the Mediterranean, and yes, and like, Anna like, and Talia are still there. I know, like they I got stuck because of the COVID protocols, of, and they were in quarantine in Malta for seven days. They are out of quarantine and now having enjo a enjoyable uh, ladies long weekend in Malta, but before coming back at, on Sunday. Good for them. Good for yeah. them. On the last part, not the, you know, COVID and stuff. <laughs> yeah, not the, not the horrible not part, the, but the it, other part. That's great. Rest. Okay, so on that note, we'll jump into the last four parts of this book, which again, like I said, the first, this is like the only the last maybe third of the book-ish, you know, give or take a few pages. And you know, to be honest, like I know a lot happens, right? Because they go to the catacombs, they have a whole fight in the catacombs. But to be honest, like 
the fight in the catacombs, I was kind of just busting through it reading wise because I didn't care. Like it was just a, like, it felt like a lot of, I, I wasn't interested in what was happening, I guess. And I'd like to hear y'all's thoughts on that because it felt like a little bit messy. Um, and, and this is where I kind of like, as much as I see the similarities between the high stuff in this book and, and six of crows and everything. I, I just don't, I don't think that Roshni Chakshi's uh, writing of it is as good. And, and I say that as somebody who I actually think that this is the writing in this book is a lot more shadow and bone quality mm -hmm. than six of crows quality. And I, I think a big part of that is that the author wrote a lot of what is it called before young adult novels um children's novels no not children's <laughs> there's like a and it's not even preteens there's another term for when you write like that that for for kids that oh, are like, that, like 10 to like 13 preteens it's not preteen. Whatever. I'll 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 figure it out two hours from now when it doesn't matter. But most of her <laughs> books have been written for slightly younger kids. And I'm not saying that she can't write for young adults or adults. I'm just saying that I think this being her first young adult trilogy, you could see that just like you could see it with the Shadow and Bone trilogy from Lee Bardugo. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I, I just the fight in the catacombs was not holding my attention, and I want to hear y'all's thoughts on that. Well, I, it didn't hold my attention either. But as I said, that may have been, have been quite honestly a result of listening it to it while and combat while, rarely while holds driving. my attention, honestly. Uh, at least in like, well, no, I was gonna say at least in books, but like even in like tv and movies and things like it's mostly things flying around the screen and <laughs> you're just kind of trying to keep up with the general idea of what's happening well i mean there are historically going to compare it to tv there are ideal ways to write either combat and or action sequences and just as there are ideal ways to film said combat and action sequences and my mm -hmm. big complaint about modern movies is uh, action sequences are far too long in general and lose their luster after you've seen people bashing each other for 20 minutes but having said that some places it's really clear what's going on of what in the action sequence and i didn't find that to be true in this one well, I mean, I'll be honest, like, I felt the same way with the fall of Babel, uh, the big fight scene in the Sphinx's lair. There was a lot, like, and and I, mm -hmm. I, in terms of writing, Josiah Bancroft is a master in many ways and had definitely written some great fight scenes before that. But that was, and it might be just that it's like, it's too long. And it's like, it's only the, especially in this case, it's only the first book. Like, so, you know, they're going to come out on top at least somewhat. Right. So there's not. They can't all die. Right. And especially it being young adult, I didn't really think any of them would die in the fight scene, especially. And I was correct. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, obviously somebody else, somebody died eventually, but just not in the fight scene. <laughs> so yeah, it was. It, it's like the the action 
that the last part of this, well, not even last part, part four of this book entailed wasn't really, it wasn't really my shake. I mean, to be, to be honest, the whole, don't get me wrong. I loved the book as a whole. And I think the only issue here, especially is that we're, we had to split it in a, in such a way that either we talk about the whole book at once, which I really don't want to do because then we don't have enough time to get into all the ins and outs. Right. Yeah. We spent a lot of time in uh, our last episode covering the first three parts, talking about the characters and whatnot. And, you know, in splitting the book, it's like with some books, it's, I really with, with, with uh, the books of battle, it worked out great, but with these, or with this one, especially it's, it was very uneven because so much happened in parts one through three. And then in parts four through six, it's like this short little, you know, well, maybe almost too lengthy bit about their fight in the catacombs mm -hmm. and then a whole lot of, and weeks later and months later. And it's like, Oh no, we're doing time skips now. Yep. Which I personally feel is lazy writing. So while I loved the book as a whole, I really didn't like the split in this one. And and again, that's probably like my fault, our fault for, you know, having to split it that way. Otherwise, it's like otherwise we cover one part at a time and it's not enough to talk about, or we cover the whole thing and it's too much. So mm -hmm. <laughs> all that said, other thoughts about the fight in the catacombs, about the the fallen house showing up, because I know a lot of this is like who cares about bladed hat guy dying? Like he never even had a name. Yeah. Like, so, so can I so can I be embarrassed and say that I thought the fallen house was House Vanth from until the tail end of the book? I mean when they kept referring to the fallen house earlier in the book, I kept thinking that was House Vanth because they uh, sort of fell. Well they yeah, so so it's it's they mention it at the very, very beginning, right? And there's like a little prequel page it's like a few paragraphs long just describing mm -hmm. different houses and they mentioned that one of the houses house Van being house vanth in this case and i don't even know if it's named actually and of course i don't have my copy here to look it is but okay so it's so so they do it, it's very vague like one of the houses is said died out because there were no heirs or something along those lines and then it says there's the fallen house who was stricken from the record completely because they did the bad thing so you're to be honest that's not embarrassing that's it, it's kind of like you and especially if you were listening to it and and not really getting like the full experience that you personally would by reading it which to be honest would have been the same for me because i am terrible at paying attention to audiobooks for some reason like ab i've tried putting them on when i'm driving and i when i have nothing else to do other than drive and listen and i can't it just nope. That's what I was doing, and I did not in one ear and out the other. So I feel you. I feel you. So yeah, it's no, so it's funny not... that like y'all are died in the wall. Like have to read the book, and Nami and I are like, no, it's got to be the audio book. I think it's like it's my special brand, especially of ADHD, that just is like, not that you got to read the book, you got to read it. I also, um, weirdly enough, I. You know, having just reread Song of Ice and Fire over the course of the past, like, not quite a year, I think I reread A Game of Thrones like last summer. There's a line where Sansa is like, I bet Joffrey moves his wormy lips when he reads, like, trying to imply that he's an idiot. And I'm over here, like, 
I do that too, because that's the only way, like, honestly, I, I, if I can't move my lips when I read, I can't retain the information. I'm not an idiot. I'm not stupid. I just, that's like how I keep myself paying attention. Yeah, but you don't have wormy lips. That's the key. Yeah. The I'm sure there's lips, some people though. out there who would say some rude things about my lips, but you're right. They aren't wormy, I guess. <laughs> uh, but yeah so i i, I yeah anyway on <laughs> beyond that <laughs> i don't think that you are i don't think it's embarrassing to not have realized that they are two different houses because there is also there's so much kind of they don't really and that's the thing they don't really mention the fallen house a lot until they realize that rougebert is part of it either so you just hear here read severin a lot of severin's you know inner workings of complaining about how he was like robbed of of his apparently supposed uh inheritance not money not monetary inheritance he got that mm -hmm. in droves but he was robbed of his inheritance as being you know the a power broker yeah of, of this house i just want to so, have enough money to be able to just like buy a hotel so, like i have a really fancy hotel now because i decided to thanks mom and dad yeah like wine i don't get to be the head of this special house and have like power in that realm but i'm rich as fuck and own a fancy ass hotel where i can keep myself and my friends in perfect comfort could you like I I would do literally that my dream. I'd be like, who's my like ten best friends who I want to live in this hotel with me? Maybe even more than that. Just like come live in my fancy hotel, yeah. guys. Like you need a place to stay, come stay in my hotel. It's all yeah, good. exactly. For as long as you want, as long as you hang out with me. Instead <laughs> yeah. of a little bit of And we we might You um, wouldn't get tired of them after a while being leeching off your hotel or not you wouldn't care. Not if you're super rich. Like honestly, not if I actually I, liked them and they were and I was super rich, then yeah, yeah no, I'm yeah, like, exactly. sure, stay here as long as you want. I don't give a fuck. I have other rooms I can rent out. Yeah, it's clearly not a problem. And now, to be fair, Zofia doesn't do much for the hotel, right? Like she pretty much only works on right. their uh acquisition tasks but tristan mm -hmm. does the gardens and layla does the baking and you know so they're not like totally mooching but at the same time it's like listen if i was just completely out of this world rich and owned this gorgeous hotel i if, if i could sustain the, the like my business and also just give my close friends a place to live if they needed it or wanted it yep. fine whatever yeah but then, unfortunately, you'd have to hang out with me. <laughs> or maybe fortunately. It depends on who you are. <laughs> for them, I mean, not for me. <laughs> They'd be the unfortunate ones having to hang out with me. <laughs> um, okay, so, so we get through, you know, this whole fight in the catacombs. And the Sphinxes come, and they record everything, so they know that... Uh, the cookies aren't the bad guys. And by the way, Jonathan, I don't, I don't, I'm guessing you didn't watch our last uh, episode because I have been, not. No, no you've been overseas. You've been overseas. But so we call them the cookies because 
we were looking for we were looking for a name for them that like was was not like the team or the crew or whatever. At first, like cakes was the thing, and then we were like, "Nah, cookies is fine." Well, Layla bakes, so that makes sense. Right, right, well, right, and Sophia. They all love the cookies, but yeah, Sophia exactly. is the most hard to please, and she especially loves the cookies. So they are the cookies now, and that's the easiest way to refer to them. Which is funny because when I put this like book summary on our website, I'm gonna have to come up with a way to like insert the cookies. Incorporate, right, yeah, like earlier. <laughs> Put a parenthetical. Otherwise, it won't make sense. So they get through the fight in the catacombs, and who is this bug mask guy? Like we never see his face, right? He's just a guy yeah. in a bug mask. The like, doctor. Name the doctor, and clearly not the one with a scarf. <laughs> that took me a second. He's no Tom Baker. Oh my gosh! Did you see that they cast? Um... Yes, from Sex Education. Yes, I'm so yes, excited. Yes, 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 yes. Well, and 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 the girl from Heartstopper, the, the trans woman, they cast her as someone too. The companion. That's so exciting. Yeah, yeah. People are freaking out seen that. her name is Rose and they're like, oh my God, how could she possibly be Rose? Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and I'm just like, mm, they haven't said that she's like that Rose, obviously. Yeah. Like, apparently there can there's be more article. than one Rose. Guys. I mean, they, yeah. they've, they've now been on the air so long that Using companions' names a second time is, doesn't seem out of the reason. Well, we also don't know who she is, right? Like, they, they, a lot of people who are, this is a total random aside. Sorry, people who are watching this for Guild of Wolves takes, but people are mad because they're like, she can't be, like, she can't be Rose, like, reincarnated. Like, Rose herself wasn't a doctor. And it's like, that's not the point, y'all. Like, one, there was one article that said, like, she was Rose, like, that Rose. And then other articles are like, we don't know why she's named Rose. So I'm kind of like, mm, I think this one person just wrote it wrong. Because they're, yeah. So anyway, random, total random aside, because Jonathan mentioned <laughs> doctor. Which I don't even watch BT Doves, but I follow the yeah. newsy things. I, I was a fanatic about the older Doctor Who, and I found the new ones way too manic. But that, that's neither. <laughs> of course, you did, Jonathan. He didn't knew the you. I tried and I couldn't get into it, but I'm the same but way. With I, I'm gonna have to get go, guys. Okay. I apologize. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, it's fine. no take it's care fine. of yourself. Oh, have a good night. Bye. So poor Jonathan, like his family gets stuck mm. in gets stuck in Europe because they get COVID and now he's like, oh shoot, all of a sudden I'm not feeling well. Like, ugh, the worst. Okay, so it's just you and me, Nick. So do you have any other thoughts on the fight in the catacombs? I mean, the skeleton stuff. I really I, the skeleton stuff was cool. I yeah, enjoyed that was that. awesome. I, that I, was I really fun. I don't even know how you'd like describe it. Like I'd love to see it on screen because I feel it would be very like horror-esque. Yes. And I also feel like it could be like a joke, like the dancing spooky scary scares. <laughs> <laughs> that was actually the 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 scene on the screen was like one of the first things that came to mind for me because it I felt like that part was written in a way that was very like visually exciting. Um, and I would love to see how that might get portrayed. And of course, you know, with the parallels to Six of Crows and the fact that 
we actually have a Shadow and Bone series, I was, of course, thinking in those terms as well. Of like, ooh, what if this did get picked up and what would that be like? Oh, I think it's entirely possible. Uh, to be honest, oh, yeah. I, haven't, I haven't looked to see if it has been... Because here's the thing, like, it's like Red Rising, this series that I love, it's been picked up like two or three different times and dropped. Oh, yeah, that's always frustrating, too. But that is a that would be a really hard series to portray on screen, uh, live action especially. They would have to change a lot of things, mm. which I'm sure we'll mm-hmm. get into when we cover that series, hopefully sooner rather than later. But this one, I, I, I think that I think that this is written, right? Um Mm-hmm. probably more movies than tv i don't know i i don't know that you would really need like yeah see you, what happens after the next two books but like this first book could absolutely be covered in like a two hour and 20 minute movie. yeah i was gonna say it would be like a you know five episode yeah uh season if you were doing it as a season Anyway, all that said, I mean, as much as the the fight in the catacombs didn't like jump off the page to me, yeah, there was still a lot of really great there's still a lot of really great imagery and whatnot mm-hmm. there. And I mean like Rouge Bear, like his blood turning gold, like what the fuck like how did they do that? Right? That like, man just creeps me the fuck out. Like all the descriptions of him, I'm just like, ew gross, no. Yes, I don't even want to hear you talk about him anymore hand in the first like oh yeah and it's like it's like sweaty but cold i'm just like no thank you that sounds horrifying here's my damp hand (laughs) (laughs) that you want to hold my hand oh god he's so gross he's so gross yeah yeah. Gross. Yep. Uh, I still don't know. Blade yeah. Hat Man, like not R.I.P. Because whatever. But yeah, because. And also, I mean, I get like Severn being like so, like needing needing to save Tristan in that moment, like knowing mm-hmm. and just being tortured for days on end. Right. I mean. Yes. But at the same time, oh my god, dude, this could have yeah. been so much easier if you just like thought about it for a hot second i'm very torn about it i'm very torn about it yeah i totally get grieving uh obviously and but also like buddy my guy come on stop doing this just stop doing it well i mean everything about you know like he see like he saves tristan and then we get the whole how many weeks later or something Mm -hmm. like that tristan is just miserable and not wanting to not wanting to do anything be around anybody like anything like he is he is ptsding real hard Mm -hmm. for obvious reasons and then they go out to the party which if zofia was able to bail why did tristan have to be there right that's kind of how I feel about it. It's like, how? So, so did they just like make Tristan go? Is it like forced upon him? Like, it wasn't really clear, but like, if Sophia yeah. could just be like, nope, I don't wanna. And I get that Sophia, you know, doesn't really love being around crowds and stuff. So I guess they kind of pass it off more than they would. But Tristan doesn't really seem to either, particularly after his whole experience. And- yeah. The Phobos helmet, like, just leave the poor boy alone with his tarantula, y'all. Yeah, let him hang out with Goliath. Man, to be honest, like, I've been there. I've been through some 
real shit in my life where I got to a point some years ago where I just basically like the only place I felt safe was at home with my dogs, mm -hmm. cooking some food, yep. being at home with my dogs. And I'm not talking pandemic. I'm talking way before that. Like, yep. so I get it. And why did he have, why did he have to go out? It was very plot convenient to me. Yeah. Like, that, yeah. That Zofia got to bail, but he didn't. And because again, he also was never the type to like want to go out that way either. No. He would Ugh. do it begrudgingly when like Severon made him, but yeah. he never was like, ooh, I want to go party. Yeah. That was always Enrique's thing. Yeah. So. Uh, so they go to the party, which also, mm -hmm. by the way, is like, oh, we finally find out why they're called the why the, this book is called the Gilded Wolves. Yep, it's literally just because <laughs> they wear these masks for like five seconds. Okay, yep. cool. It is a pretty name, though. I mean, it is. It's a great. It's a great book name, but also it's mm -hmm. like. But like, why did you? Did you just put that in there to? name it gilded wolves or yeah, because there's no i i get that it's like a full moon party right so ha 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 wolves uh -huh. the wolves. it only happens at the end i don't know and literally for like a half a scene yeah and i don't even think layla is wearing one and obviously Sophia. no she wouldn't be because she's on she's on stage isn't she like okay whatever that's fine yeah no i mean <laughs> this book should have title. been called the cookies <laughs> Yes. <laughs> Sugar cookies. Okay, going going back to why Sophia didn't go real quick though. Uh-huh. I feel bad. I know. Oh. I feel bad. Like, Poor Sophia. She just I don't know. It was one of those moments too where it's like like in a, in a TV show or a movie where you're like, Oh, somebody's gonna walk in and see it. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah. No, because th there was a whole back and forth between, like, Enrique, I think, has a conversation with Zofia, and, mm -hmm. and Zofia goes away, and she's getting ready for the party, and then the hip goes things. Starts, I, I mean, it was kind of, I, I, I thought it was a little bit predictable. I was like, oh, yeah. she gonna see them, and it's not yep. gonna be good. And I feel so bad for her, because it's like... I know. She was finally getting to that point of, like, I'm gonna push myself a little bit out of my comfort zone because I love my friends and, and like I want to hang out more with Enrique. Like he's real pretty. And he does like her too though. And she doesn't understand that. Yeah. She doesn't understand that. And listen, I am not harping on Enrique for getting his, right? Like Yeah. Oh hell no. Get yours, buddy. Like Hypnos Hypnos has now become a half chocolate chip, half oatmeal raisin. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. I don't really know how else to describe it, honestly. Yeah. I honestly I loved Hypnos from the beginning. He was that ridiculous, ridiculous boy who <laughs> Severon thinks is like completely like got this master plan and really he was just like no i just tricked you at first i was like mm, this dude i don't know oh sure but yeah no it it, it it was like very quickly he became like oh you just want to be friends with everybody he just wants his friends like he just yeah. wants his friends y'all oh and also oh, and 
<laughs> the way he would just like pout whenever they were like, we're not friends. And he'd be like, but, but I just want to be friends, you guys. Fine. I'm going home. Poor hypnotist. And then he basically moves in with them. And it's like, like, he, yeah. got, he got rooms at the hotel. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. I, I, wait, I, wait, love like, it. I wish I could be like that, that like sure of myself, but yeah. also, like, I don't know. He's like sure of himself, but also like not, and also rich. But also insecure. Yeah. <laughs> he's great. And he clearly liked Enrique from literally the moment he laid eyes on him. Oh, yeah. When he's like, who's this though? Yeah. <laughs> who's this cute little historian? <laughs> yeah. I love it. But I do feel I do feel bad for Sophia. I'm saying this. I literally haven't even started the second book. I have a feeling that there's a mm-hmm. very good chance that this will be rectified one way or another. And yeah. So I'm 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 not really like it sucks for Sophia in the moment, but I'm not really worried about yeah. it right now. And I know we talked about it in our last episode where we were kind of saying, Oh, well, I mean they could be not like a throuple, but like a hinge. Yeah, exactly. So I don't know the terminology as well as you do to be completely honest, but yeah. So that's why you have me on the show. Exactly. So (laughs) I, I I feel like it could, it's the only reason. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) I say as I'm constantly like, I want these polyamorous relationships. I don't really know much about it, but I know that it's healthy. And like, Mm -hmm. this could be a healthy relationship. That's the point. Like, exactly. So, so Sophia doesn't go and misses out on Tristan getting murdered, uh, which is like, oh God, like, so Severin gets this fucking letter, this V-I-L, very important letter, mm-hmm. and like it's just like, I'm just not going to read this, and then only opens it in the second before, the second before. <laughs> Again, it's literally like a scene in a, a show or a movie where the character's like opening it up, they're like, oh, like there don't leave the hotel. Letter. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, Lord. And I, I, it's one of those things too, where he reads the letter and immediately like Rouge Bear shows up and flings the blade hat and Severin Mm -hmm. goes for Layla because he assumes that's who they're after because that's who he's so obviously in love with mm-hmm. but how would they know that right like there's yeah. there's been this whole like a, a, everything between severin and layla that is played out on page where other people can see it is obviously a fake out yeah exactly and so severin dives for her and then poor tristan yeah just yep to be honest, like after it happened, I was like, okay, I'm not surprised. Like he yeah. was never really fleshed out. He nope. didn't have POV chapters. Now, nope. listen, if he had had POV chapters and been a little more fleshed out, it could have been more like a Ned Stark, Stark situation where you're like, ah, shit. Yep. So take note, Roshni Chakshi. I mean, honestly, I do feel like 
not that we should have seen it coming from the beginning or anything, but like, I do think that that is a really good way of getting people invested in a character is to give them those POV chapters. So we know a little bit about what's in their head and what they're thinking. And it, it just gives a little bit more flesh to a character. And it is weird when you have a group of characters like with the cookies and everybody else has a POV chapter except this one character. It's literally just Tristan who is part of them and they're yeah. from the beginning and Hypnos. And it's like, yep. mm. And then we get Hypnos's POV chapter, which makes me think we're going to get more in the next book. Oh, we absolutely are. Yeah. Anyway, I haven't looked, but like I have to assume. I haven't either, but it like you gotta, right? Like yeah. that's gonna happen. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but it, it, yeah, again, like you said, I. it's not that we necessarily should have immediately seen it coming, mm-hmm. but it was kind of, oh, of course, because oh, yeah. as soon as it happened, it's like, oh, yeah, they wouldn't have known the all they know about Severn and Layla's possible thing, fling is like she kind of made a show of it, but she also did that with Hypnos, I believe. Yes. Well, and that was also her as um, like Nigma, not yeah. her as Layla. I can't remember if she's. Is she. So maybe she is on stage as Enigma at that moment. But still, like, why would you. It still would make more sense to attack one of the very publicly known, like close associates of Severon than mm-hmm. somebody that he might have had a fling with. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, Layla was on stage when he opened the letter. So I'm now whether or not she was the one thing I'm questioning is whether she was lunning me during the spring fling. Thing. I'm not, that's not the name it was called. It was like the spring. <laughs> Let's call it the spring fling. But regardless, I, I think that the, the portrayal of her being close to Severn was always mm-hmm. as Lanine. But I, I mean, okay. So they think he's close to her. So that's, that's also a thing, but it was always clearly for show. And I think that mm-hmm. the members of the Fallen House and Rouge Bear would have just known that from the beginning. So it's kind of like, okay. But also in the moment, he's not thinking about that. He's just thinking about protecting the woman he loves. Right. Even though, you know, his And job. then he fails to protect his the person that he swore to protect. And so he feels guilty and broody and is an asshole about it. Yeah, yeah. So I guess let's get into that. So I mean, you, know, you already know how much I hate that shit. Yes. Oh no. We yeah. Uh, we both we both do. And so did so did Nami. And I know Nami was mm-hmm. so sad that she had a work emergency and couldn't be here because we all had a lot of things to say about this. Yep. But you go ahead because you had like you're the one that you, you finished <laughs> it after Nami and I did. So like yeah. you came to us with this information and we were just like, Ugh. yeah, yeah. I just I. It's so fucking tired and ridiculous and like the the idea that this the way that he is going to protect everyone is by shutting them out and he can't be in a relationship with Layla because he has to protect her and she's not 
capable of making her own decisions. I think you were the one who said, and I, I completely agree, like it completely robs her of agency and autonomy. And yeah, your comment was that, you know, fuck this, like I can't be with you because I have to protect you, toxic masculinity bullshit. Yes. And your fe- it turned like your feelings about a character that you didn't really care about into like yeah. works, right? He's a stale cookie is what you said. That's your- Yes, point. that's right. I, did. I, I have to give you, have to give you props now. for that. He's a thank you, thank you. And, you know, for my part, my the the relationship that I was in in the middle of college and and for a little while after college it started that way like obviously not mm-hmm. like, I'm gonna protect you from deadly murderers and can't be with you stuff but it was very much like well I can't be with you because like I have to protect you from getting hurt like I care about you and it's like what the fuck does that even mean yeah. and if I'd been older and I had seen those red flags and not bothered like to be fair, my life would be totally different and you can't go back and change things. But because I've been through that whole, like, I shouldn't date you to protect you type of shit, it seriously turns me off in literature. It's just, it's a toxic attitude that also implies, like you said, a lot of shitty things that the person doing the protecting, quote unquote, thinks or feels about the other person. They aren't strong enough. They don't understand the risks of a relationship, et cetera. So yeah, it's just, I, I, I don't, and I know this is YA, but like, uh, but like, I, why I, can't it be better? I don't, well, and I don't know that we've, well, in this, in this webcast, particularly as many books as we've covered and granted, I guess only shadow and bone and maybe to an extent, the Six of Crows duology and a little bit of, of the Nikolai duology from the Grishaverse were YA, but mm-hmm. you know, we haven't seen a ton of that. Maybe a little bit in uh, Devabad. Yeah. But yeah. You know, it, it, it wasn't this pronounced. And it really, um, it, it's just like, please yep. stop. Like, please stop. Like, yeah. And it, I'm already. It, it, I was already meh about the stuff between Severin and Layla, but this really Yeah. Mm-mm. I think we talked about that last time. Like, I'm not usually just, a, in general, I'm not a fan of like just, oh, we're having a romantic plot between these two characters because it's the, you know, male and female lead. But also when you throw this on top of it, that was when I was like, I'm done. Yeah, I really don't care about this relationship at all because, frankly, I don't want it to happen now. Yep. Yep. Frankly, Layla is better. And this is actually a quote I wanted to highlight anyway. it It's when Layla goes to Severin. And, of course, we know from what we talked about the first part of the book is she is basically like a quote unquote made person and Mm -hmm. was told that she has this deadline on her life. And that's why she's trying to find this book that might, you know, extend that deadline or get rid of it entirely. And the quote I wanted to pull was she thought that having a deadline on her life should make her pull back, but she didn't want to glide through life unfeeling. She wanted to know everything while she could. She didn't want the ghost of thresholds not crossed hanging over her. She didn't want one night. She wanted a chance. And that is what is in her mind before she, as she's, as Severin has just opened his door to her and she just, you know, pulls him in and kisses him 
and he's immediately just like a huge asshole. And it's like, do you understand what this person just gave you? Yeah. And you like, that's that, you know, it's not like I'm not attracted to this person, right? Like y'all are there and you've been thinking about each other the whole fucking book. And now that y'all have been masturbating to each other for months, like, (laughs) come on. Like, yeah, you are each the one the other thinks about. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, stop. But like, oh, like his brother just died and like. Uh, like any and and you know like some of it is like wanting to protect her because oh i'm i'm dangerous (laughs) (laughs) i'm dangerous darkwing i love the jazz hands (laughs) let's get get dangerous insane guilt he's feeling like you said about yeah. the fact that he chose her over Tristan but to be honest Tristan was uh I don't know not not a good character or anything but like well his course, purpose was to be protected right and like they and they talk about that multiple times throughout the book like and I think I think it's after he comes back we get a little insight into like Layla talking about how she had always protected him too, but like it was different now and she felt even more protective and just like, well, we talked about that. just the vibe. Yeah. We talked about that in, in our last episode when we covered the first three parts of this book too, or I did anyway, where at first, the very first thought I had about the, like Layla's like very first chapter, I think, you know, she goes mm-hmm. into Tristan and she's like mad about him because his tarantula was in her room or mm-hmm. mad at him because yep. his tarantula was in her room. And she, the way she's treating him at first, it felt like she was treating him as a potential lover or mm-hmm. possibly already lover. But then I realized very quickly, obviously that that wasn't the case. It was like, it was like if your little sibling. Yep something to you which is hilarious because my little siblings didn't do shit to me because they were scared of me (laughs) (laughs) not because i was mean i don't think that was kind of the way i felt about like tristan bringing the tarantula into layla's room (laughs) like little brother just trying just annoying just like poke 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 yeah exactly but at first the way it read oh this is like a like a lover's quarrel oh god no it's not ew gross how did i ever think that I guess this this kind of brings us around to whoa, what the fuck? Severin isn't the heir. Mm-hmm. I was not prepared. I wasn't either. Also, earlier in the book, there was a mention about I think it was Severin said that Tristan had the same silver scar. Mm-hmm. Yep, and they had the same I silver scar. Like thinking that, I'm like, oh god, like is he like the heir of the Fallen House? That's what I was thinking. But then but when now they, I don't know anything because now we've got. So yeah, I don't know. I kind of feel like this might be a red herring situation, but also, yeah. like I said, Tristan did have the same silver scar. It was only mentioned in passing. I think it was Severin who was like, "Who knows where he got it?" Which is also weird as fuck. Like it's the same exact scar, dude. Yeah. Who, where the fuck do you think he got it? Yeah, like, that was like I was like, you really. You haven't thought like maybe 
Duh. maybe this is related. Like, like he also shows up at a foster home where basically they- like little rich kids show up. Like you didn't think like, hey, this is kind of weird. Well, little rich kids show up that are also where they're they're being right. They're members of the order. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 Or, 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 well, they're being placed with, um, what do they call, what would you call them, forgers, I guess? So mm-hmm. it could be a red herring, as in he is actually the heir and they just fuck something up or whatever. But it could be that Tristan is the heir of House Van, or was the heir of House Van. But also Tristan could be the heir of House Van, then Severin could be the heir of the Fallen House. Right. Because that's the thing. For all we know, because how how young do your memories go back, right? So yeah. Severin remembers his seven deadly stepfathers, or seven seven yeah seven deadly stepfathers, the seven deadly mm-hmm. sins in person or, or, or whatever. He, he remembers personified. Thank you. <laughs> he remembers all of them, but he also mm-hmm. remembers his mother, but who wasn't allowed to call herself his mother, and he thinks it's because. Uh, it was a mixed race relationship mm-hmm. or whatever, I think. But for all we know, he wasn't the, like, he doesn't remember Tristan because they were kept separated or he doesn't, like, we, we just don't know. Yeah, we have no idea. I don't. So I don't. It's going to be really interesting to see how they kind of play this out. Yeah. Well, and it's going to be really interesting if he is, I, I, I feel like at this point, it would be st- kind of stupid and bad writing to have him actually be the heir of house vanth um, yeah you have to do something if you're gonna end the book on that he did see the the blue flash or whatever it's supposed to be at first and then it turned i think it was it's blue or whatever it's it, it it's, yeah the it, blue i think means that you are the heir. Yes, yeah so so and then it turns like right after that so mm-hmm. he's the heir to something as far as i'm concerned and so my guess would be that he's the heir to the fallen house, but they're like, no, we can't have this. Well, that would make so much sense too, because of the way that um, the head of house core reacted to him and was like, Oh fuck no, get out of my life. I'm not yeah. even going to talk to you anymore. After she had basically been like, at the very least a very close, like almost aunt kind of figure, if not almost like mothering him a little bit. Yeah, yeah. So the it's fact like, that she was like, "Oh fuck no, you can't talk to me anymore." It still begs the question: I would make Tristan was turned out the way he was as well, but well, and yeah, we don't know. Like, it's possible. There's a lot of possibilities for why that could be, but I do think it would be really interesting if he was the actual heir of House Vamp. But then, like, you know, he's dead, so fuck. I mean... It would be more... I, part of the problem is that then you create a dead end in a storyline. Because uh, other, if you have a different potential heir of House Vant, you could actually have a story that could bring back all four houses. I just hope that it's not... We're going to meet 
another secret error in like oh no yeah that would be terrible two or like during book three and again mm-hmm. i have not even started book two so this is me just saying like please don't let that be the case and i'm gonna hate myself so much <laughs> for like sort of predicting it it was a very weird ending and on that <laughs> note, i guess i guess like this has been a real quick episode but again we were only covering the last like third of the book yeah so do you have any last like thoughts or theories or feelings i'm really vibing on this like severon is actually the heir of the fallen house now um i don't i'm gonna be starting that book probably tomorrow honestly like i've been holding off me too (laughs) They're such quick reads, and I'm just like, they oh, are. God, if I read it too fast, I won't remember anything. Well, and the uh, so they don't have separate, um, at least in the first book, they didn't have separate actors for each of the POVs, but they had one male actor do the male characters and one female actor do the female characters. And mm-hmm. um, I just I like it when there's more than one voice actor doing the audiobooks so i get it i i'm excited to get into the next book and get into the characters and get those hypnos chapters hopefully yeah i mean i'm assuming they're not gonna we, we've got to books. she's not gonna do that to us she's not gonna tease us with hypnos chapters and then not give them to us give us our now half chocolate chip half oatmeal yes food, man like or, I don't know. Like, I would, I would picture Hypnos like if he had a choice. If, if he had a choice, being like, I want my they them pronouns, guys. Yeah, that's true. I could totally see right. that. Like Enrique, right. definitely he. Like definitely yeah. he. But like, and the rest of them, definitely, you know, he, she, whatever they're assigned you know, gender. Yes, but but I, I definitely picture Hypnos would be like a great like. Could you just like they them me, please? Yeah, I, I doubt it's or maybe happen. like a he they. I don't know. Could be interesting. Yeah, yeah. I doubt it's gonna happen, but it, I, yeah, that, that, that's how I picture him. Honestly, like <laughs> I just and and he, I don't know. I just I love Hypno so much. Like I didn't. I know. Think I would, and I just the 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 whole end of this book where they're like they're going to Russia together. I know. Yes. Oh my god! I feel like yeah. we're back again. I'm getting temporary flashbacks. Oh, <laughs> gosh, no. No. Oh, no. But at least it's not as boring. <sighs> Nowhere near. Thank God. Yeah. And we uh, actually uh, have women who are the characters. That's fun. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like actually POV and and you know because there were good there were good female characters in Temer. There were good female characters in the Tem- even the ones that I read. There were some good and the female characters. There they was- just like were secondary at best. Yeah, it's Kierko for life. I don't I don't think you got as far as this Kierko, but it's Kierko. No, I don't think I did. <laughs> All right. Well, on that note, once again, I'm Tara along with Nick. Jonathan was here earlier and had to bow out, but thank you for joining us for Sagas and Sass, and we will see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Sagas and Sass podcast. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at Sagas and Sass.